Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfo Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradfo Show. That's delicious. Boom sauce. <laughs> Boom sauce. Alex Spears with me. And why is Alex Spears with me? Alex, why are you here with me? We're, by the way, on location at Tony C's Bar and Grill, not too far off from the Lord Hobo Brewing Company in Woburn, Massachusetts. <laughs> Alex, why are you here? Uh, free food. The promise of free food from you. Once again, taking advantage of the Intercom Corporation, as Alex did for all those years. Now, the reason Alex is here is because it is the 10th anniversary of WEI.com. And we, Alex and I, were the, I guess content-wise, I'll be fair, content-wise, we were the first two full-time people. And we had Tim Murphy obviously started, a gentleman by the name of Tim Murphy. And Carlson Mosdees, who had been running the website for uh, on his own, basically, up until they in- decided to invest in this. But then I was hired after, out of the Boston Herald, and they said, I had one hire. One hire. That was it, Alex. One hire. And I immediately ran to your door and knocked on it and said, Alex, please, please come with me to this awesome venture that 10 years from now we will be talking about on a podcast. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, and it meant a lot that you did too, because um, I had been to the point, I had been covering the Red Sox at that point, I was in my seventh season, uh, and I had had some opportunities, but I was at that point just a freelancer. Um, so covering baseball was my second job up through 2008, and uh, I, I had a full-time job working in academic administration at Harvard. Um, my days were really long. I did not have any indication after you after you took away the one job opportunity that I had you got hired over me yes that was so that was the Eagle Tribune yeah. Alex and I were both finalists for the Eagle Tribune they mistakenly hired me <laughs> and uh, and I remember you like I, you know obviously we were friends then we knew each other then being in the Red Sox press box I was at the Lowell Sun and, and to give people an idea I was at the Lowell Sun for five years went to the Eagle Tribune for a year and a half 
and then went to the Herald for another year and a half. And I was at the Herald, and, and basically for me, I've said this a million times, but the Herald was my dream job. This was like covering the Red Sox for a Boston paper. Uh, before we get to me, you know, you, I think that you had talked about potentially even going down to some, some small paper in Virginia, and I, I, don't, I don't know what you were doing. Yeah, no, I didn't either. Like, I, I was applying for jobs around the country. Uh, I hadn't gotten a full-time job after seven seasons covering the Red Sox. I'd been very lucky to get uh, to get chances to write with as a, as a stringer, as a kind of regular contributor to uh, the Boston Metro, to the New Hampshire Union Leader, um, occasionally the uh, occasionally the Lawrence Eagle Tribune, and uh, and uh, every once in a while for the Boston Herald. But um, at that point. I didn't know if I was ever going to get a full-time job, and I really didn't know if I was going to be able to continue. Did you uh, want to give up? I mean, I'm going back to this, so one, obviously this was August. No, actually it was probably July 2008 because we were hired, and then yeah. we started on the day that it, it really kicked off was August 18, 2008. At that point, looking back, how close were you to saying, ah, i got to do something else? Because you were married at the time. Yeah, I had gotten married in 2007. Um, and, you know, at that point, like, I was I was still okay. I, I, I was starting to at least ask the question of, like, how much longer can I have this dual existence of working one full-time job completely unrelated to what was functionally a second full-time job. Um, you know, I felt like I was working really long hours. And, you know, and so when you called, when you, like, when you invited me to join this, this venture, number one, it meant the world because it meant that I was going to, like, I, you know, I had, I had been working really hard in hopes of finding an opportunity to write about, uh, to write full-time about, uh, about sports and about baseball. And number two, it was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, it was, uh, there was this, I don't know if you remember, but when word of weei.com's like relaunch started percolating in the industry there was this like this wild fascination about like what what is this going to mean exactly like what form what shape is it going to take like there was a there was a genuine curiosity because um, it was something that was different it was a web it was a web first you know it was a web first thing that was done around a radio station so it was going to be no one no one had done and really no i be honest no one has done since yeah no there have been there have been probably a couple of attempts at uh at getting traction with uh but you have to and i don't this is a small part of this but in order to do this it's not that it can't work obviously it works for us but you have to have the right mark It, it is it is a sweet spot for this venture it was then and it is now but anyway, but go back to that time. Yeah, you're right. It was, it was. Uh, you know, I'm sure people were saying, you know, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, no doubt. I, I, I mean, I probably, me, not yeah, you. No, I was. Well, I was probably. Yeah, you were asked that a lot. Like, it was interesting to watch you through the month of July that year because everyone in press boxes would be like, so. So what is this? Like, you know, and I think that <laughs> the number of people who are lining up to, like, seek jobs from you, like, you know, was also pretty long at that point. And so, like, the fact that I was getting the one job that you had meant a lot, even though I had no idea what the hell we were going to be doing once once I actually got that job. But I was in. They don't know what the, they didn't know what they were going to be doing. So your original title was, correct me if I'm wrong, original content manager or editor maybe like yeah i don't even remember what it was it was something that had yeah it was something that basically had yeah original and content definitely were in there <laughs> i i don't i don't think anyone knew what that meant i didn't know what that meant uh yeah it was there was there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff to be figured out at that well, point well so i remember 
when what happened was I got an email from Mike Reese. I remember specifically it was at the I think it was at the All Star game in two thousand eight in the Yankee Stadium. And Mike Reese had they had made a run at Mike and or Tim Murphy, who used to work at the the Globe, knew Mike, admired Mike, everyone admired Mike and made a run at Mike was fine with where he was. And then you go to, uh, so I think Mike could give him a list. And you know, like some of the people on the list, I remember Jackie McMullen. And, you know, it's like Jackie, Jackie doesn't have to do she this. Was, she wasn't going to be an original no, content no, manager no, for, no, like, no. you know, for, yeah. No, so, but, so I was a year, like I said, I was a year and a half at the Herald. I was very, very happy. Um, but it was intriguing to me because... Because it was it was just intriguing to me, and, and I always said this: uh, Why do you do it? I said, well, I, I'm sort of the um, I'm of the mind of, of building things. I like I like that sort of it. So you had that that aspect of it. You had a lot of clearly they were putting a lot of resources behind of it. You could build something from scratch, and and also you had what was undoubtedly, undeniably the most powerful medium in the sports uh, media market. In WEI at that point. I mean, this is this is what we did as a member of the Herald, as a member or of the Globe, whoever you're writing for. Whatever was talked about on WEI, that's what you were writing. It was so. I'm thinking that having the power of that, along with the resources, along with being able to build something from scratch, that was why I met with Tim Murphy. You know, after I get back from the All Star game. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, at that point talking to some people about like you know. Like seeking out some some of my you know uh, some some mentors really like and to figure out like you know so this I, this seems good to me should this seem good to me um, and at that point you know at that point the attitude was yeah like what what better mechanism can you have to kind of you know to kind of give. Uh, prominence to like you know to you know if you write something good then you have kind of a guaranteed ability to have it you know to have it gain visibility and traction because you know because WEI's like at that point there was only one radio station in town right, right? like let's not overlook that fact either and so you know and so really like this was the framing mechanism for conversation about sports locally yeah and so uh, so I meet with them and then, let's be honest, another part of this was I was going to make a lot more money. The Herald's a great place to work, but the the chance to make more money there really isn't an option. It hadn't been an option for a long time. It didn't seem to be an option. And this was a, an opportunity to work with a contract, to make more money. You do well. You keep making more money. So that was part of it as well. So all of it, even though a year and a half into the job, I wasn't thrilled about leaving uh, the, the, the Herald, but... It is what it is, and so I, I take the, the leap, and they say, and we sort of lay out what our staffing is going to be, and, and it was going to be the one full-time guy. I had a vague idea of what I wanted to do, but still, we're flying blind here. There's no, There was no ESPN Boston. There was no Comcast. There was none of that. So, I so mean, all closest, I the closest thing that there was was like I mean, I, I think back like what Will Leach and like you know in that universe existed like there were we'll you know, get to him in a second yeah, but there were you know there were various like you know there were there were kind of national 
uh, websites that we that we were thinking about drawing from, but we were hoping to create a new model. I mean, the only thing that we knew from that online content manager Alex Beard knew that he was getting into was like I was I think I was told I was going to be doing some writing and uh, and also that like that the website was going to feature elements such as uh, the sports leadership and life series, uh, yeah. <laughs> which was well. I mean, this that goes to a lot of things where uh, we're going to do this and that. And then they didn't think of a lot of stuff. Yeah. They didn't think of who's going to put up the stories. How are we going to put up the stories? Who's going to edit the stories? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? This seems like a good idea. No, maybe that isn't such a good idea. So it's and then you know the rest of the staffing was was an issue as well. You were the full time guy, and and I knew that obviously you were great. You were smart. You were like this is in your work ethic was great. I like all checked off all the boxes. So and we got along. So that was a big part of it as well. So now we're digging in, and so now we have to figure out what the rest of it is. And, and I think that to go back to your point of people like, what is this? What, what is going on? You know, people, a lot of people think, well, is this going to be like Pete Shepard blogging? Is this yeah. going to be Glenn Wardway doing video things? Is this going to be, what is this going to be? And, and I think that was prevalent not only in the, in the industry, but with the teams, I mean, you remember like what a hard time we had like with the Red Sox. Oh God! Uh, late. Uh, so I believe that the site launch relaunch was on August 18th of 2008, um, and uh, I wrote uh, I wrote a story which I believe you gave the headline, "The Curious Case of Jason Bay," thus fulfilling a like you know, which is which is great, like which is fantastic because like it was a story that in many ways like represented like you know what I really like to do and what I get like you know what I get like kind of juiced about like and it also represented like a like a characteristically like prototypically Rob Bradford headline of the curious case of so I'm delighted that that was you know that that was the uh, the, the launching point for my baseball coverage but about a week later we were and by the way I was still working full-time wrapping up my responsibilities at Harvard but ditched that for a little bit to go down to New York we had a series in Yankee Stadium that we were covering in late August and you know and you and I were like pushing 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 hard to get like you know to prove that we were going to be able to like kind of stay in front of breaking news like be really timely on turnarounds there was a minor trade that the Red Sox made Mark Kotze Mark Kotze the acquisition the August waiver deadline acquisition of Mark Kotze and I you know I hadn't been that aggressive at a reporter at that point but like you know but I recognize that like I'm now in a different position so I reached out to a number of people across you know a number of baseball sources trying to confirm the story trying to like you know trying to not only make not only get you know whether or not the Katsu trade has happened but figure out who, who's going in return and what the implications are for like you know for compensation based on his arbitration status and all of that stuff um, and like I started and like we got a lot of pushback from Red Sox people like Red Sox people were kind of pissed at us oh well I'll, so from my perspective I remember pus- putting that story up and then going in the clubhouse and Theo basically yelling like yelling like like it was almost to himself fiction fiction <laughs> fiction like so clearly this had struck a nerve and I think it struck a nerve for a couple different reasons. I think it struck a nerve because it was, first of all, it was real. It was a trade, but it wasn't quite complete in their eyes. And maybe they didn't want to take the chance of blowing it up or whatever. So they were sensitive to that. Oh, well, of course, it's, it's, it, this is semantics, right? But in their world, 
no, no, no. And the other part was there was that perception, oh my, this is what we're going to do? This is what we're going to have the, this radio station blog yeah, things? Yeah, I remember Theo referencing uh, referencing something about like blog headline. Like, oh, well, I mean, so what happened, yeah. and I don't know if you were in on it, so it, I think it was the next day. We're sitting in the Yankee Stadium dugout, and Theo has a group of reporters, and I don't know if you were around him, but I did not want anything to do with it because I knew that he was indirectly talking about us or me or whatever. I was all the way down the other dugout, and Theo was giving them, giving all the reporters a lecture on blogs and the world of blogging and the problem with blogging, and, and it was... It was just, and I was just steaming down the other end. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then, like, he walks by, and, you know, like, and he walks by, and later he's like, oh, no, that wasn't about you. No, of course it was about us. Yeah. I mean, there was, they wouldn't, they put us in the third row after we had been in the, you know, first row. They wouldn't put our stuff in the clips, which is an industry inside thing. But all of it, it was, this was, you are a radio station website. And, and that's one of the many, many battles that we've, we didn't see coming that we had to fight. A year later, ESPN Boston pops up, Comcast pops up. They didn't have any of that. They were right in the first row. They weren't kicked out of the Baseball Writers Association like we were because we were, went to the Internet, all of it. So that was along the lines of many things that we did not foresee that we had to deal with. Yeah, we, which is fair. And, you know, I mean, you think about, like, we were... You know, we were trying to push really hard to be, you know, to have to be comprehensive in our content, right? Like, because at that point, we were trying to establish credibility for what we were doing. Um, and so the challenge of doing that, like, it did push us to be really aggressive on stuff, which, I, you know, I, in retrospect, I don't necessarily, like, it was unfortunate. It was, a, it was a bummer that that kind of layer of difficulty existed. But I don't necessarily fault them. I don't necessarily fault anyone for the fact that, like, that they did have a reaction to it because, like, you know, we did it, it was creating more work for everyone, <laughs> including ourselves. But that that initial, yeah, I no one knew what to make of us, right? Like, still, that's it kind of gets to that. And so, while they were figuring out, we were going to face some interesting hurdles that we didn't necessarily anticipate. Yeah, so we go back to um, the staffing of it, and so you and I were covering. The baseball aspect of it. Before we get to the staffing of it, can we talk about the launch? Like, are we are we going to ignore oh, the famous oh. launch day? Oh, you want me to you want me to talk about it? Well, I just I just want to say that I'm glad that you were eventually rescued from what appeared to be a hostage situation okay. on the day of the launch. Okay, I'll talk about it so you can eat. Uh, so the day of the launch, we're up all night. This goes. This falls under. I don't think everyone really truly knew what they were getting into. Carlson Mosdes, who was you know the behind the scenes guy, who's still with us, and and just he was. I mean, he, he uh, the the common thread with you, Alex, and with a lot of people, the work ethic is just really really strong. And you have to when you're going to start something like that. We didn't know anything. We didn't know well, how we're going to post. And we had like the Michael Holly. Okay, Michael Holly's going to write a column. You know, we had some guy named Kirk Benahan who was huh. going to write. A, his, he's going to be a, a part-time fantasy um, writer and and copy editor. We had Michael Felger who was uh, contracted to write two columns uh, two columns a week. Um, and, and you know, part of his deal was also appearing on the weekends and being the first fill in the radio. Uh, we had uh, we we had other things like the the, the football scientists. Uh, we oh we had 
and a big one was, uh, and we also Ron Borges was. I think he wrote a couple times a week. We needed because we really didn't have a Patriots writer. Um, we in tracks. Mike Petralia was part time for us, but he was a guy we knew was important because he was running around doing everything for everybody. Uh, Chris Price wasn't with us then. It wasn't. It wasn't until January, which we finally realized, hey, you know what? We 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 have a huge hole here in terms of football coverage and in terms of the helping edit the site. Um, and then a huge one was Will Leach. I mean, Will Leach is a guy. Go back to that, which. Will Leach was a guy who, at that time, people forget. In 2008, he was right there with Bill Simmons. I mean, he was right there. He was just—he just left Deadspin. Deadspin was huge, and the great thing about like what we were doing was that we were—we said, "Hey, you know what? Here's a blank canvas. We we did have a lot of resources. If we threw some ideas out, let's just let's, let's try them." So. I just I didn't know Will Leach at all. So I emailed, "Hey, you want to do this?" I and he's like, "Yeah, sure. Of course he's saying sure because of seen amount of money he was making for like once every two week column." But we're like, "Hey, listen, this is great. It's going to give us publicity. It's something different. This guy's agreed to, to jump forward. It was a disaster. I mean, he was nothing. It, it didn't get read. It was he was mailing it in. He went on a message board basically saying, "I'm just taking their money." Um, <laughs> And and my my solution at one point, which was one of many mistakes I made, are like, well, this guy isn't getting read. You know why he's not getting read? He's only writing once every two weeks. Let's have him write every week so he doesn't get read every week. But he was making he was probably the highest paid guy per article. I think he was like fifty dollars more than Felger. Felger was way up there. So but so we had all of this. I think Michael Holly wrote a column. So that first night we worked through the night. I was in Baltimore in a hotel room and I did a video which you can look up on YouTube, which is it was like Cloverfield. And I'm 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 I'm, I'm basically oh, we got a lot of great things. I was basically like almost like I was I, I was never gonna get out of that room. At least we have that as a jumping off point. The YouTube video of me talking into a camera for five minutes, talking about all the quote unquote great things things we have on the site and, that, and you must have done that like that video at like five in the, at like three in the morning or something yeah right? and i like to say it was like there was adrenaline rush of the first no it was like we were just trying to put up a website we had promised that the website would go up and and we were trying to figure out a way for the website to go up and and you know at the end of the day yeah you know it was good it was we had all the things up and we had all of it it's fine but there was so many things that were not accounted for. Like, for instance, the most important part of our site is the This Session box. That's it, right? Which is basically the story box. It remains to this day the most important. Any site that's like this it remains the most important part. That's where the eyes go. We didn't have that. Like, there was... The, the, we had all these different... We, we had all the different kind of... Um, People come in about look giving here. You can do this site, this kind of site, and it was like bizarre. It was it was like the, the feng shui of, of websites. They were all terrible. I feel like there were like a bunch of tiles that would indicate stories. It was yeah. yeah. It was it was literally. I remember I remember that one where someone came in and said we're gonna have this website where it was probably like twelve tiles. We we it was sort of like the ESPN model. We ended up at, but there was no, there was none of that because no one thought of it. And the only reason, like I even suggested it, was because actually Boston Dirt Dogs had that widget it's called a widget, which is like the story list. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm always drawn to that. We should do that. 
That was the only reason we had that. Yeah, no, it would have been hard for anyone to find any value like going there immediately, right? Like it was, it was, but in in kind of pulling a lot of stuff together and making it very easy to find what you wanted the most really quickly in one little box, uh, then I, I feel like it made it kind of, it made it a more appealing destination. Plus, you know, plus we were just churning stuff out and seeing, you know, we were throwing a lot of stuff against the well, wall. Literally, we said, I think the question was asked, okay, who's going to post this stuff at 12 o'clock at night? And the answer was, I don't know. We don't know. Crickets. Yeah, we don't know. And we had a crash course in both learning how to, uh, how to interact with content management systems and also with, uh, I, I got to learn how to use Photoshop for the first time in my life, uh, which uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, I... I had no training as a journalist, right? Like I, you know, I had come into this industry in a strange fashion. I'll hold this for a second so you can know. Okay. Um, I was going to let you eat, but you choose not to. That's part of the Awaken 180 experience. Uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, I had never been trained in digital, you know, in digital tools or anything like that. Um, and so all of a sudden, you know, we're trying to create this. We don't have, uh, we don't have an editorial backbone. And so, yeah, we're trying to figure out how to do it ourselves, basically, um, which included like figuring out how to, you know, how to doctor images for Photoshop so that we can stay within our monthly allotment of like images. Well, you know, and that's the other part about it. There was the, the monthly allotment of images. There was a server. Okay, we got a cheap server. And the best story I have with that, not even close, was when Kurt Schilling tried to retire. We posted it on the website, and and we could see the whole thing slowing down within 50 minutes, and then boom, it crashed, and Kurt Schilling couldn't retire because <laughs> our site was. But so, but to go back to a little bit about the, the staffing of it and and how that evolved, you know, I talk about Kirk. You know, I knew Kirk for a long time. He had written some for wherever I had gone, and. Uh, I knew that he had a good sensibility about him. He just he had called and said, if you have anything, you know, he was in California. And so if you have anything, yeah, no, I think that it's we can make something up. And so he met with Tim Murphy for like 10 minutes. And Tim Murphy didn't know what fantasy sports was, but he knew it was important. Oh, okay, sounds good. You know about fantasy sports? Okay. Oh, you know how to spell? Okay, good. Ten, it was literally a 10-minute meeting. It was a part-time position. So, okay, Kirk. Kirk's on board, covering the Bruins and Celtics. He's on board, by the way, remotely from California, uh, covering the Bruins and Celtics. We did not have anyone full time, so we they gave us an allotment of money to per week to to find someone to cover the Bruins and Celtics. Joe Haggerty was a guy who we we both had known that was out there, and he, so he covered the Bruins for us. And then uh, then Celtics, we came across two people who we really liked, which is Paul Flannery. And Jess Camarado, Paul Flannery had been at Boston Magazine, and Jess Camarado was freelancing? Freelancing. Freelancing. So, uh, but they both had very unique, differently unique sensibilities, and they were both very good. And they didn't, listen, this is not a lot of money, this is part-time, but... You know, they were all in, so we covered it that way. Like you said, Felger was writing columns. Our Patriots coverage was basically Trags running around there, again, part-time guy. And then uh, and then Ron Borges. supplementing it with Ron Borges and, and Mike Felger. And by the way, Ron Borges was only with us for like a month because 
the Herald, you know, he got hired by the Herald, and, and they said we needed him to work somewhere else before he worked with us. And not only did he work with us for a month, but he actually broke the Tom Brady's knee story right, with us. Right, He Yes, we had, right, our first great traffic spike was probably when, uh, in game one of the Patriots se- uh, season, when, you know, when Borges was the only guy locally to be able to get that indeed Brady's knee had been shredded by Bernard Pollard in that first uh, in that first game of the 2008 season and so you know and so yeah uh, within a couple of weeks the Herald was like oh we'll take it yeah. thanks but yeah. <laughs> you know it, it was it, it, I was it's happy for, for yeah, yeah. I, was, I was happy for him it was I, I tried to explain this to to Murphy or the higher ups like, hey listen you know, like, if we aren't going to give the guy a full-time job you know, uh, we don't like the loyalty doesn't have to be there. He's got he was part time. He like I said, same same thing with Felger. Felger was a great get for us because obviously he did a mailbag and Kirk added the mailbag. And that's one of the first times where I think that you start to realize that Kirk had a wit about him because he would interject himself in the mailbag. So when Felger ended up leaving uh, about a year later to 98.5, then uh, that's when they... I, believe, d- I want to just interject. I believe that uh, that Felger offered to continue writing for us on the website after he went to 98.5. Yeah, he was a huge fan of the website, like even to the, uh, for years upon years upon years. And, and you know, we had a good experience with him. He did his work. He, he wasn't late. You know, there's plenty of other people who didn't and were. But, uh, but when he left... They were obviously they were trying to reinforce everything, and, and so we had to we figured it out, and so Kirk became I, we made Kirk a columnist. He was still part time and still working in California, but say hey okay you write the Felger columns, and we also did stuff like you know the the Patriot mailbag, uh, not the mailbag, the report cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Steve Diossi did it one time, oh, yeah. and it was like Steve, why aren't you doing it by position? No, because everybody wants to see it. By 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 offense, defense, and special teams it has nothing to do with it. it. Takes like two hours less time to do. You know, stepping back, like kind of back towards the beginning, though. So there were so many different things that we were trying to accomplish, and like, and some of them were some of them were meant to be like this is not going to be like another website. So we sort of had an idea. I think you and I would agree. We had an idea this could be like it is right now. A lot of things to a lot of people, right? A lot of things. The radio people had a different idea. Like, the radio people, I think, across the board, thought this is going to be something that props us off like every other radio station website in the country. Yeah, and, you know, like, in, in some ways they weren't right in, like, you know, if I think back to it, we might, you know, we tried to take advantage of the fact that there were a ton of great interviews that were on EEI at the time, right? Like, there were that was a constant on virtually every show, uh, on every daytime show. So, you know, so we would be... We would, like, blog them like crazy, right? Like, we would, you know, we would get quotes up no matter who the interview was with. Like, full transcripts of Pierre Maguire interviews. Uh, Well, every one of those Patriots player interviews on Monday, right? Um, You know, we were very, you know, we we felt like this was a significant driver. We didn't really necessarily take advantage at that time of the idea that the conversation that was happening on the air might, in a way, be its own story, right? Like, I feel like that's very, like, that's kind of where where the industry is now, where, like... It is more, not to interrupt, but uh, about opinion, about this is, like, you're having this conversation, it is the topic, it is people's opinion, 
and you know like to go back to how it was this was what was driving the conversation driving the writing for a lot of the newspapers but like so you add up all the responsibilities that we had at the very beginning which included listening to every one of the radio interviews and transcribing them uh, faithfully and trying to find trying to find different ways of kind of getting the word out about them uh, doing our own original writing and you and I were covering the Red Sox kind of around the clock at that time because again we're trying to establish our credibility we're trying to manage all of these other different storylines that are coming in we're trying to you know, we're trying to work with, you know, with the columns that were coming in from Felger, or editing the 16 Kirk Minahan articles on Dwight Evans versus Jim Rice uh, at the time, or you know, or whatever. There were there were a lot of different elements that we were trying to pull together all at once, and you know, we were short-staffed, right? There wasn't an editor an editorial infrastructure necessarily, or even if there was. I mean, when we say short-staffed, like I'm, we're short-staffed now, but this was it was nothing like. It was short staff. Is you and I were working. I, it was close to twenty four hours a day. Yeah, I mean, I literally think that there were like significant stretches where it was twenty one hours a day, and I thought, and my wife, my wife uh, thought that I was going to die. Like she thought that you know, I thought that I had kind of maxed out before going over to weei.com how much. I could work in a day because I was doing this, you know, the one job in academic administration and then writing about the Red Sox. I worked a lot harder at ehi.com when we were getting going in order because, you know, we were we were passionate about it. We wanted so badly to make it work. We were trying so badly to make this, you know, this kind of uncertain model like fit together and uh, and there was always well, something to do. Well, particularly when, like we said, ESPN Boston pops up. We almost merged with Comcast, I believe, uh, in 2009. <laughs> and But they start their own thing. And, you know, it's it's one of these things where, yeah, you know, we wanted it to succeed. And, and, and one of the other aspects of it, and one of the reasons I said that I decided to go to it was I'm like the power of WEI. And we talk about the things that we did not expect. And obviously, I think you and I can both admit that one of the things that we did not expect was the pushback from the radio station. And I mean, that was a, that was a very real thing. And I talked, said a little bit about, oh, well, they wanted to be this way and it was that way. And that was fair. That's fine. I mean, it's everyone, like I said, yeah, every show wants the website to be like their show. I don't blame them, but there was, it was got, it got pretty nasty. Um, you know, people's contracts were up and they felt like the money was going to the website. And, and so there was a lot of stuff. It just got, it got, it got very, very difficult. Um, because the whole environment was tough because like, it wasn't just that, like 98.5 was coming out. So all of a sudden WEI had its first, like, you know, real competitor in town. Uh, one with an FM signal at the time. Cause remember we're dealing with WEI, we're dealing with 850 AM WEI, uh, at that point. And so there were there were just a lot of I feel like threats to the operating model that had existed, and so when it, it felt like to the radio people, and again I don't fault them necessarily for this perception, uh, even though like even though we were doing our best to say no 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 no, and we were you know the, it felt to the radio station like any resources committed to us yes. weren't going to go to the shows or to that's the radio. How, but that's how it was really, Alex, from the get go. And and but you're right, it was and. It, there was that element, and we can say, "Hey, listen, I don't have to tell you, man. The the company agreed to do this. And by the way, in 2008, you, a big part of this whole equation was when we started. This so basically with July, I was hired, you were hired, July of 2008. We were told, "Oh, you're going to have this big office down on the first floor of the New Balance Building. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. It's going to be a lot of resources." 
Well, what happened later on in 2008, which is the economy of the United States of America went down the tubes. I mean, the stock price of Entercom went, one of the reasons we didn't get that office was because the stock price went below a dollar. And, and, and I mean this wholeheartedly, which was David Field, the head of Entercom, deserves, I mean, I am forever in great, uh, grateful to him for not pulling the plug on yep. it. And because you're talking about, like, it, it was the worst time to launch a website. And then you go to, we get through that year, 98.5 pops up, um, and maybe they felt like this is a way that we can counter 98.5. We have this big website. And, and another part was interesting because you remember they were trying to guess who 98.5 was going after. Mm-hmm. And they knew that they were going after Lou Merloni uh, to be with Felger. And so... You know, they doubled down on Lou, and, you know, rightfully so, and good for them, and so they got Lou. The other guy, of course, was Mike Reese. So they felt like, for some inexplicable reason, this is no knock on Reese, but they were, that 98.5, the guy they were targeting was Mike Reese, and, and we couldn't figure out, like, well, what does that have to do with the radio? He wasn't a huge radio presence. What does that have to do with the radio? But they had this in their head, and because of it, they wanted to spend, hire him, for our, our station, mm-hmm. which I think you and I were both like, hey, great, <laughs> yeah. super. Yeah. I mean, we knew what kind of traffic he was drawing from, from I think, the, the Globe or Boston.com. Sure. Then. Yeah. And it was like, okay. Reese's Pieces, man. Like, yeah. you know, he was, an, he was kind of an institution. I mean, he was, in some ways, when you think about, like, the antecedents, like the, the reason why the whole venture seems like a logical one, for WEI to pursue and hiring both of us, like guys like Mike Reese were certainly pretty high on the list. Oh yeah, and and we could we we found the numbers for his blog. We understood like his popularity. I couldn't tell you why what presence he would have on the radio, but they they made a we I guess we made a legitimate run at him. He ended up going to ESPN Boston at the time, and um, so it's worked out for Mike. I'm, I'm happy for. It. We also had we should know we also had Chris Price. Chris Price was uh, like you said about six or four months in. Chris was Chris by the way was my first boss, uh, the first one who gave me an opportunity ever to write about Boston sports. Right. So so, yeah. he, so he covered the Patriots. So. By the time we got through that first year, you know, Felger had left. So, you know, Kirk was with us. Now he's a columnist part-time. Trags is with us part-time. Chris is, I think, full-time. Um, Celtics and Bruins were still covered in the same way. And, um, and then and actually, like, Haggerty went to Comcast, so he wasn't there that long. It, it, it was sa- the same challenges. It, there was never the, – the challenge, the biggest challenge across the board was always that – Hey, you know what, radio guys, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. We'll we'll do everything we can help help you, help us. I didn't ever want them to to mention stories because they were on the website. I want us to earn it. Yeah. But but this think creatively, and so that was undoubtedly a challenge from from the get go. But you know, I think that it is what it is. It's, and part of that, Alex, honestly, is because there was no template for this. There, this was a lot of things we're talking about. We have to put in the in our mind there was no template for how to do this. Well, and you know, you mentioned you mentioned Lou, who ended up being a contributing like a contributing writer on the website side, and he actually like you know he actually used to do give great perspective on stuff, which you wouldn't really find in a lot of other outlets, right? Like there was a reluctance to have. Uh, you know, to have ex-players, you know, it was Lou, but Lou came after Schilling, right? And it's it's hard not to, like, 
Well, we should. I, I want to touch on that real quick. Yeah, uh, there's. I mean, the Schilling era was. Uh, well, oh my God! Like thinking even to before when he officially started working for WEI.com, the first moment, like the moment of like, what is happening? Uh, I believe began in the 2008 ALCS. Oh yeah. Okay. So so to go back to the Will Leach hire, and by the way, we come back to the the buzz that we were getting. Richard Deitch of, of SI, he did his 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 list in, in like power rankings, power rankings for the entire country and media. I think one time we were like number four to what WEI.com <laughs> is doing. So there was a lot of buzz. I would think there was a uh, Jay Mariotti when it got canned. Rumor has it he's going to <laughs> WEI.com. And so there was a lot of buzz. And, and the Will Leach thing helped a ton. It put people on a radar. I still, to this day, it served a purpose. Writing, it did not serve a purpose. But <laughs> what we needed at that time, it absolutely served a purpose. So jump forward to, to Schilling. Schilling was doing a blog why he was playing 38 pitches which it, it was that just wasn't done it was well before the Players Tribune all of it he was he was on the ver- I always get a mix up he was on the verge of retiring how did yeah, that come across yeah well he had the 2008 season was the one where he had re-signed the one year contract with the Red Sox but turned out that he had uh, he had you know like a uh, I forget the exact nature of the shoulder. Biceps tendonitis. That was that was a, that was a surgery. The biceps muscle. Yeah. Very nice, Rob. Yeah. So he had tried to come back a couple of times that year. It wasn't going to happen. So he was, you know, his career was his career was over at that uh, functionally over at that time. A, a retirement that was declared subsequently on weei.com. Well, kind of. Yes. <laughs> almost. Um, but. That year, while he was still under contract with the Red Sox, so during the ALCS that year, we were trying to experiment with like live blog formats, right? And we we had we had some great stuff going on during the during the playoffs that year of like just in-game updates, like really good baseball conversation taking place. Uh, in by the a- way, by the way, not to interrupt. The two biggest days I remember early on, traffic-wise, was uh, was obviously the Schilling retirement thing, but also. When people didn't realize that you can't go to our website to listen to the Red Sox after the TV broadcast that was Game 7 of the 2008 ALCS went off the air, they all came to our website (laughs) and and ended up because the Steve Harvey show was on instead of the baseball game. So anyway, go ahead. Pretty good. I had forgotten about that part. But yeah, so, you know, so we have like... Over the course of the of the ALCS, we're having this really good, like, kind of baseball-centric, like, chat room, in, in essence, on the website. And uh, lo and behold, we are joined in the middle of Game 7 by uh, then a, then, you know, then Red Sox pitcher, uh, Kurt Schilling, for throughout Game 7. Who's offering, oh my God, we didn't ask him to do it. He just did it out of the blue, right? Yeah, and he's, you know, and he's offering, like, you know, kind of great analysis of, like, breaking down at bats and stuff and, you know, and having pretty... Candid, uh, candid insights about uh, about the players, you know, uh, and it was like so. This is this is what we're doing in the postseason. I'm like, oh shit, this is getting pretty good. Um, that was you know that was something you know we we had wanted to do something that was unlike uh, unlike things that had been done before, and that felt like it. You know, it was, and and then so we have meetings, and I remember. So now we're talking and like we want to we go to Murphy. Hey, you know what do you think of the idea of getting Schilling? Trying to buy his blog, trying to get him on the air. Which again, he hadn't been on the air at all. Certainly in the format of coming in studio for four hours. So I went to uh, multiple meetings at thirty. Well, it was thirty-eight studios with Tim to talk to talk with Schilling. 
And, I mean, I'll never forget those conversations. And he kept coming back to the equity. I want equity. I want equity. Okay, I'm sure. I'm just like, whatever. And I remember, like, like I'm like, I just knew how, how hugely important it was. We've done, like, what a huge win. And, 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 I'm, and I know it was a lot of money, but I'm like, if you can't sell this, like, what can you sell? Sort of along the lines of we had, um, this is a little diversion, but Christine Leahy. Everyone, well, I know, well, know Christine Leahy. We had the idea of, of doing a daily video thing at noon. And, and Christine Leahy, a friend of mine, Andy Raven, said, hey, you should interview her. And so we did. Interviewed very well, Alex. Christine did. And so she was the person. That was Christine Leahy, the Christine Leahy. This was her first job. So anyway, we got after these meetings of Kurt Schilling feeding french fries to his dog at the in 30th Studios, we finally get Schilling. And and remember when he announced that he was coming to EEI.com? Do you remember the day? I do not. Okay, well, it was the always always um, popular internet Day. Always the, the, the time where everyone is on their websites the night before Thanksgiving. <laughs> so there may have been some mistakes made. <laughs> it wasn't our mistake that he's when he wanted to do it. Anyway, so so we had Schilling and then um, and like I said, we were we were oh, talking didn't we, wasn't that was it to uh, to recount the uh, but was it because it was the anniversary of the trade? Did we do anything related to that? Yeah, we did, but no, this was just because. Right, <laughs> it was, fair enough. But it's so no. So now we're a couple years in here, and we have Schilling and Schilling. I went into Terry Francona's office one time. I said, "This has nothing to do with your team. How do you manage Kurt Schilling?" <laughs> and he said, "He's really good at one thing. Really good at like focusing on one thing because it was you had to edit his stuff. I remember Kirk had to do." Basically, we started doing the top uh, pictures of all time, and Kirk had to like write in the name of Kurt Schilling. <laughs> like he had to fill out the rest of them. It was—I've always said this about Schilling. He's good for business. When he can get him to do stuff, he's good for business, and that was the case for us. I mean, an extraordinary baseball mind, and like you know, and at that time, you know, again, like I, you know, he was—he was locked in. Like when he would write for us, and. There were there were some he, he had other things that were going on in his life at that point too obviously. Well, he had to. So his deal was, he had to write I think an average out to a blog and a half a week, and he had to appear once a week on the radio, once a month, one of those each month in studio for four hours. And when you got him, when he was when he cared about the topic and was willing to invest in it, like it was fantastic, right? Because like highly opinionated guy, someone who was not uh, who wasn't afraid of. You know, going along with conventional wisdom, and at that point, like the the kind of political shrapnel that's uh, that's kind of gone with his, you know, with you know, that ended his career at ESPN essentially, uh, wasn't really an issue. Like it was, it was unique when when you could engage him on a topic. It was it was pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it was. It gave a lot of credit. Like it gave a visibility to what we were doing that we wouldn't have had otherwise. You know, when when he announced his retirement. You know, every paper in the country is referencing that, it, that he announced it on WEEI.com. And, and I think that that's one of the things that we tried to do. And sometimes it was it was missteps, but you know, we tried to separate ourselves. And you know, whether it's uh, getting the Green Men to do stuff, you know, the guys from the from Vancouver during the finals to run around and do stuff for us, or or you know, you getting like Gabe Kapler to blog for us and. Uh, you know, we tried to separate ourselves with doing different stuff. And sometimes we get crapped on the radio for doing, but we also knew 
that like you had to do things that might not necessarily are things that are going to be mentioned on the radio, but things are like are going to separate yourself. And it comes back to you want to be a lot of things to a lot of people, and that was the challenge for us, particularly when you get Comcast popping up, ESPN popping up, and and their organizations, their. A year after we started, that was basically what they were doing. And they were doing it, let's be honest, with a lot more resources than we were. Well, ultimately, I think that we, st- we stopped like worrying so much about the, you know, what the dynamic was going to be with the radio. And like, it became just a question of, like, can we, do we have something really good on the site at all times that will reward people who come to it? And I think that like, after a couple of years, and again, like, I cannot like, overstate like, how much work <laughs> we both did. And honestly, like, I don't, I don't well, really know. I want to go back to when I was hired, the, one of the, the, the original plan was they were going to hire Tony Maserati to be with me. We were going to be co-editors. And, and that would have been a disaster. It would have been an absolute disaster. Not because, obviously, Tony has this thing. This is nothing against Tony. But because what the job ended up being i mean you were hungry you were out of enormous work ethic tony was not going to edit sports leadership and life columns he was not it would have been we would have been out of business within a year <laughs> we would have and, and it's again this isn't a knock on tony and it was like same thing if they hired like jackie mcmullen or any of these people it was just like the it, it's like the mistake i think a lot of places make which is you can't hire for the name because the name only lasts so long. Well, and, that was that was Will Leach, right? Like right. you know, Will Leach was the name that we ended up getting, but his like you know his contributions were largely you know indifferent, right? Like you know, and fortunately he, he was not hired as a site editor. Yeah, exactly, right? Like that would have been so. Yeah, I was like for me, like as I said, I didn't have a background. I had never worked in. I'd never had a full-time job in journalism. I hadn't worked at a college paper. Um, the only thing I had done was travel guides in college. Um, and so for me, this was like, this was like working in the office of the, like in a way, like I, it's an imperfect analogy, but the college newspaper, like being into like the idea of doing this around the clock. Like I was in, like you were, you were so fired up and like so invested in what, in what you were doing and remain so like I honestly don't know how you've sustained uh, some days more than others. yeah five hour energy I yeah. guess is the answer to this question also clearly awaken 180 <laughs> uh, and Gould's distinctive clothing <laughs> leaving you spry on your feet of but course, uh, I also have a pint of boom sauce every day too. <laughs> but anyway yeah like it was you know there was something that was like somewhat addictive to it about like you know investing the work and seeing the results from it like you know understanding that we were you know we were creating something that was our own like it meant it meant a lot like you know and it, w- it meant a lot to be able to take advantage of this opportunity that, it, that I've been waiting for for a long time and you know I don't know it was just like it was it was exhausting but exhilarating and then exhausting again well, well it comes back to you want to build something and, and you know it, it, and this is one of the reasons why I took the job. It's like you want to build something. I continue to this day, sort of, you, you want to build something. If, if you have to just go in and say, oh, you're part of an enormous organization, just meet the status quo, whatever. You know, right now, and I've talked to you about this, like we have goals. We have different goals than we ever have had. That's fine. I mean, give us the goals. The goal back then was to build a website, make it. And, and part of that was seeing the traffic grow, the revenue and everything else. It also was, to be honest with you, to keep people's jobs. I mean, it was like I didn't want people like say, hey, you know what, commit to this and then see you later. We've seen that across the board with so many people. You know, and, and honestly, Alex, that 
that this is my own deal, but that probably has hurt me. I mean, to be, to sort of go to bat for a lot of people who I was relying on the website, because go to bat with for them, and to a point where it has maybe hasn't put me in the best light in terms of the radio station or whatever. I mean, that's just a reality. Well, and frankly, like, I, you know, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I don't think that it's, it's even possible to fully appreciate, like, you know, those who have worked for Rob have benefited, you know, who have worked for you have benefited from the fact that, like, you've literally made personal sacrifices in order to, you know, in order to let, in order to best support the people who have, uh, who have been on your side and who have worked for you. Like, you know, I, I feel like, you know, there have been times when you've probably compromised your own earnings potential, quite frankly, um, in order to in order to try to preserve jobs uh, on the website side of things. And you know, your loyal like the or or another like another like small element of sacrifice that like we made over the years, like you know, the kind of places the the fact that we would room together on the road and like you know room together on Priceline hotels at the road. Like we were like changing the model of what we were of what of what you know we I don't want to say changes the model we were willing to find every conceivable way to save money uh, in order to try to get every dollar to go further in order to, because in no small part because you want to do everything you could to make sure that uh, to try to protect the jobs of the people well, we had to I mean we, I mean we had to that and, and there's been ups and downs and and everything else but that has that has to be a priority because we see the industry now we saw the industry throughout this whole process this is how it works if you don't do that if you don't try to stay ahead of the curve or make sacrifices then you're going to end up like you know we've i mean it's not hard to find these places that are doing this i mean look at let's look at for instance the two models that we mentioned that came after a year from us Comcast and ESPN Boston. ESPN Boston basically doesn't exist anymore. And uh, although, thankfully, like Mike Reese is yep. there, Forsberg is still there, but it doesn't exist anymore. Um, and then Comcast, Comcast, you know, they still have their writers, and, and that's good, but they've changed a whole lot in terms of what they're prioritizing. And it's, it's not the same. Their whole thing was you know, 80% writing, 20% video, or 20% video. Now it's flip-flop, which is fine. I mean, as long as people are keeping their jobs. I do wonder, like, I always, I don't know always, I, I do wonder about, like, when we almost merged with Comcast, what uh. that would have been like. Because, I, think, I mean, I was excited for it, to be honest yeah. with you, because I was like, are you kidding me? That this is going to be an enormous thing. We talk about taking on, because that was one of the things, I remember GBH did a thing, about oh they're going to take on the newspapers that can really see this working well this that would legitimately you're talking about taking on the newspapers when newspapers were big at that time but new, I would like to as no but, well, the, the, but you know what I'm you know what I'm the, saying the newspapers are yeah. still big um, yeah I mean I it was it would have been a lot it, like it would have been more of a multimedia undertaking that would have kind of competed at every level. It would have been more of a one-stop shop. We actually were talking about domain names. That's how yeah. far down the road it was. Yeah. Did, I mean, wasn't that a lot of the friction that, like, prevented it? No, the friction was the buy-in. There was the, the money. It's, you know, the friction was money, whatever. But in terms of the, the logistics of a lot of it, was it was down the road. And, and you know, who knows what would happened. And, you know, honestly, Alex, in the... In the long term or the short term, then, you know, some people would have probably got cut off of cut off the staff even then because they couldn't have kept everyone. So maybe it was a good thing. Yeah. Well, there would have been right. There would have been quote unquote redundancy, presumably, right. like that would have 
you know, that would have necessitated uh, figuring out how to kind of streamline everything eventually. But yeah, I mean, there were, yeah, it was, I, I think that that would have been a very different track than the one that we ended up taking, no doubt. I know that you ask, you give people a chance to ask you questions at the end yes, of the Yes, yes. Uh, well, I want to make sure that we, we gone through, let's see, Leach, Schilling, <laughs> Felger, Minahan, um, uh, Trags, Jess Camerato. Uh, we should also mention, you know, we go through the sports real quick. Um, that with Flannery and Jeff Kimrow did a great job. Another good, we talk about good, subtle hire with Jeff Goodman paying him for a weekly column, which didn't really get read a whole bunch, and it was really short. I actually asked him to put, like, a top ten list at the end of it. (laughs) But the value was that Goodman was so tapped in, he would basically get information and say, hey, Jeff and Paul, you can have this. Break the story. I mean, it was was amongst – we missed – as everybody on the internet, we missed on a lot of things. We missed on a lot of things, but we we also hit on some things like that. Yeah, no, I mean the fact. That, well, we in that first in those first like four to six months, like we worked so hard to figure out ways of breaking news, and like honestly, like it's kind of staggering that we, you know, that we were in some ways like breaking like not insignificant pieces of news in you know i feel like at least three of the sports which was good which was good because again it comes back to perception yeah perception is was a powerful thing then it's still a powerful thing and you know paid views and traffic unique visitors are one thing but perception is another and and breaking the news for us for the place that a lot of people thought was going to be this radio station website with with the hostess blogging or doing video and putting Lou Maloney in utility outfit suits, and, and which, by the way, was an idea. Uh, not my idea. But uh, it was, uh, but it, it, all of it, you know, the perception was a big thing. And, um, yeah, so, but we covered, after Haggerty left, Greg Woodburn, a good friend of mine, he, who passed away while he was working with us with a pancreatic cancer, he covered the Bruins for us over a while. And DJ, DJ, I mean, we talked about, we, one thing we haven't even talked about is coaching tree. And not coaching tree is a bad way to do it, but because I don't want – it's not that. It's like the people who have interned for us and work for us. I mean, it is staggering, a large part to you, Alex. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You were in charge of the interns. You Well, Jerry, Jerry Spar. Jerry Spar as well. But, I mean, this is – I should have brought a list of people, but it, it was – I mean, I mentioned Bruins. DJ Bean was an intern for us. He did it the right way. He was a part-time Bruins writer for us. He got a full-time job with us, the Bruins, and now he's on his way, right? I mean, there is a lot. When I say a lot of people, there is a lot of people who've come through our world, this thing that started back in 2008, that, including yourself, yeah. have gone through, who've done a lot of good things. And that's not hyperbole. That is reality. I mean, whether you want to talk about Tim Healy, who's covering the Mets right now. Um, I mean, you've got the list. Yeah, Jen McCaffrey. Jen McCaffrey at The Athletic. Yeah, no, that, I mean, honestly, and like, Ryan Hannibal, who's like, who's still like, who, I don't, I don't, I think that he's still in that working 21 hours a day mode for WEI.com. Could be wrong. Yeah, but that. I think that the common thread was that in Fl- Paul Flannery went to SB Nation as a national columnist. Jess Camerato went to um, CSN, Philly. CSN Philly to cover the Sixers. You had, uh, you know, Haggerty went to, to Comcast. Um, you know, and on all these people, it's like n- nobody didn't, nobody went somewhere where it was like a worse situation. 
I mean, and that, that was tremendously gratifying. Yeah, I would, that, that was the part that, like, made it feel like it was sustaining. You know, the fact that, like, it wasn't just that we were, you know, that we were working our asses off and that we had gotten, like, a website that some people were going to, but that instead people were, con- were contacting us. They were kind of finding us and seeing us as, like, an, as, like a stepping stone opportunity. Like, that, you know, and they were, like, those, especially those interns, like, were so rewarding because they were so, like, eager for feedback and so like so grateful for whatever opportunities we could afford them and, and there were times when we didn't give them a ton of guidance because that was, well, that was it was a great internship because we actually said okay this is this is going to be a good internship because you're going to basically do everything that we are doing you know so so anyway it was uh yeah so a lot of people that's that's one of the gratifying things of this whole deal is that to see you know and you left what year did you leave i left uh at the end of the 2014 at the end of 2014 and started with the globe but... right which is which i was so happy for you because it was it this was your sweet spot i mean you had you had done stuff for baseball america you'd done stuff for espn but i mean this opportunity where the globe's coming after you it, i mean it was just such a good opportunity and also it also got you away from the world of of work it was a better life work balance for you it was it was just a great great situation for you and and by the way it was it was one of these things too which talk about feeling like uh, uh, satisfaction which is okay alex i don't want to see you go obviously you you know you've been awesome and and you know you will always be on the when you go into the hall of fame i don't know what hat you'll go under but i hope you go in the wei.com hat but i mean i remember you getting the call hey you know the glove off i can't turn it down why would you turn it down so forth and so on all right walk down talk to bill zachary Alex is Alex is leaving. All right, we should hire John Tomasi. And okay, that was. I mean, it was. We haven't. We haven't. I guess. And maybe this is self-serving. We haven't had a lot of misses. You know, when it comes to this. And I don't know if maybe maybe that's in my own mind, but I feel like we haven't had a lot of misses. No, I feel like we. You know, we had people who were all great about being like part of, like you know, part of a a strange team you know one in which there's a there there was uh, a lot asked of anyone who was coming through and you know and you you know i continue to watch it from afar you know like i i'm you know and i appreciate what you're doing you know i appreciate what ryan is doing i appreciate what john tomasi is doing like how the fact that it is uh it isn't like I, I feel really lucky right now that i'm in a position where i i get to think about writing about baseball and not a lot else and you know those 21 hour days have become uh very few and my my you know i, I have a pretty good balance of you know of what of the time i spend with my family and with and with my work but um you know the people who who you continue to draw are extremely extremely committed uh, to making this thing keep working after 10 plus years, which is really, really cool. All right, you got to go. What questions do you have for me? What would you have done differently? Uh, how? What? What would you have done differently in terms of, uh, in terms of site? Like, how would you have created a unique tone at the beginning that you didn't? I probably would have gone in with my eyes wide open about the radio station stuff. Um, and not just assumed, uh, like, hey, you know what, this is a powerful thing, they're going to embrace this, and they're going to, and then immediately sort of get my wall up and and be like, I'm going to fight back and, and, and try to find some common ground and say, what a bunch of idiots, why aren't they getting along with us better? 
and, and try to maybe find a common ground with that and understanding and maybe have some hard conversations because that was, uh, I mean, that's, that was a thing for a long time and probably didn't help at the beginning that that was the way it was. Um, and, you know, obviously when, when I go into that office and I take the job and say, okay, you can hire an original content manager, probably not really realizing that we didn't have our shit together everywhere else. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like, okay, asking questions like, like how are we going to do this or how are we going to do that? I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, it, it was such a different time, Alex, too. I mean, that's another thing that we have to realize. It was, it was a different time. It was, we talk about the Red Sox, how they viewed us. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, look at, like, everyone popping up. Now the athletic. Yeah. I mean, the athletic pops up, and they're just accepted. That, we were not accepted. Well, there had been a, a pretty stable media environment, right, that we were jumping into. And so, you know, and so since then, it's been a kind of unstable media environment that's had change with new outlets added and some subtracted. And so, yeah, I think that we were just like, we, we just happened to be kind of on the, the first wave, uh, the first wave of, of change in the, uh, in the landscape. I guess I should ask you, too, um, how much more sustainable... Uh, is your job now how much better is is where is your work life balance now compared to when it where it was ten years ago uh, it 's much it 's much better now i mean not the, not the the it 's much better now because that was just you know that was just like so many things that we didn 't know. I guess the biggest difference is that i I have an idea of what 's going on now like I have an idea of what works what not false hustle. I mean, there were so many things we were trying and we were stressed out about. And like, you have an idea of like how to manage things, delegating things, what's worth it, what's not. I think that's a big problem in our. I think all these websites are trying to figure out is that we. I see them do stuff. I'm like, why are you doing that? Why are you wasting your time doing that? And and that was us. I mean, that was us. What was our biggest waste of time? I don't know. It's hard to think back, but it's it's just just worry. I think just worrying about everything. And we did a lot of stuff, like even covering the Red Sox, which is like, you know, why did we do that? Like, you know, we're we're thinking like this is important, this is important. And you're like, you're just like, for instance, a small thing now is, yeah, we put up the lineups every once in a while. But am I going to stress out about the lineups like I did before? No. It's, um, you know, I think that we just sort of have an idea of. I have a better idea of what I have to allocate my time toward. And, um, yeah, it, gets, it still gets stressful because people don't understand. For me, it's, it's covering, it's, it's literally competing on, a, on the Red Sox beat. And, and, and I put that on myself. I don't have to be that way. I mean, that's not part of the job description. I put that on myself. But competing on the Red Sox beat while managing a website and, and then you know, integrating other responsibilities here and there. Um, and including, by the way, the, some of, a lot of the writers are on the radio a lot more, which takes away. And that's part of the deal, and it's fine, but it wasn't really part of the equation before. But, you know, I think that that's the thing, is that I, what I have to do is, is, is delegate my time and figure out what's important and what's not. But the reality is that, is that that's the life I live, and I like it a lot. Uh, sometimes I don't like it so much, and sometimes I want to yell at people and say, you don't understand, like, you're worrying about this stupid thing, and I got, like, 50 other things to worry about. And anyway, you, you were right there with, with that same sort of equation. Yeah, we, I worried about all 50 of them. What's yeah. your, uh, 
you you were brought on because of the stories that you wrote, the, you know, right? Like that's why you fell on, you came onto Tim Murphy's radar as someone who was innovative with you know blogging and you know in writing. Uh, what's your favorite thing that you've written for WEI.com? That's a tough one. Wow. Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't you have no interest yeah, in that question. Yeah, I mean, I hate. I don't hate that question, but it's it's it makes it seem like this story is so much better than all the rest. I mean, it's, maybe they're all mediocre. I don't know. <laughs> but it's it's. Um, I don't know. The one that jumps to mind, I guess, is that Jason Bay story. Like that. That story was. It was um, the Jason Bay story was basically. The Red Sox. It was, it was the second curious case of Jason Bay story. Was. It was, yes, we've mentioned two Jason Bay stories. So, so basically how the Red Sox, the story after the season when he's in free agency, uh, I think he had already signed with the Mets, but how that, how the Red Sox blew up the contract with him and, and said he had a knee injury, he had to have knee surgery. And I don't, I, you know, and that's, I don't know, that's the first one comes to mind because it was the, the process that went through of like, of having, I guess, a big part of that, and you had a good relationship with, with Joe Urban and Jason Bay, and you had a lot of good stories, like including the curious case of Jason Bay. <laughs> but you know, to have, and maybe there's other stories that fall under this, this, but to have the the confidence in someone that a radio station website is going to be the place where this important story runs, that that meant something, right? Yeah. The, and 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 I think there's more of an acceptance of that. Like I've never, I rarely have had a oh well, you work for a radio station website. I'm not talking to you. I'm going to give this. I mean, maybe I mean maybe points I don't I don't know about. But I think that goes back to the, the what you built, what you helped build of of immediately that credibility that we were striving for. And uh, so yeah, that was that's important. And that's I also think is a feather in our cap. Is there going to be a last question that I'll ask? Is there going to be another one of these podcasts in ten years? And if so, who are you going to be interviewing for it? Uh, I will be interviewing Taylor Bradford, (laughs) (laughs) my daughter. Uh, Nepotism. I call nepotism. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Like, it's it's that's a think about how much things have changed in the in the ten years. It's crazy. I mean, the ups and downs. I mean, we had. We had a pretty big down in terms of personnel-wise like a couple of years ago. I mean, that's just that's how it is. And, and then, you know, we hired some new people, and, and those new people have been great. You know, I think that we, we could have held on to the old people. It's fine, but that's, you know, that's part of managing, and that's part of all of this. I mean, that, it, we can't ignore the ups and downs. Like you say, 10 years, there are so many things. There's never going to be a straight arrow up. It never is. It isn't for newspapers. It isn't for any of the, the key is, like, how you can stay ahead of the curve. And, and that's one of the things that I've tried to do. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do 10 years from now. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I like the majority of my job. I like the majority of it. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's, I think it's an unanswerable question, Alex. What do you think? Are you going to be honest about this? I want you to be honest. Where do you think that, like, now that you're looking f- from afar, where do you think it's going? I just don't, like, I... So the thing that you have to appreciate is that, like, you know, is that the people who work around you, like kind of have a hard time wrapping their head around how you've managed to do this for the 10 years that you have and so like you know and so by default like I think there's a skepticism that you can do it for another 10 simply because it seems impossible that you've done it for the first 10 but you've already defied the first 
impossibility, right? Like, you know, I like, I you know, part of me wonders whether or not there will be a, an opportunity for you just to write. At which point you can step back from some of the other management responsibilities that would appeal to you. But I don't know. It hasn't come. It hasn't come along, you know, to this point. I think because you like doing this um, and you've been immersed in, you know, I. I can't. I, I I agree with you. It's unanswerable. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I like, and I've said said this to people. I like doing a lot of different things. I don't know if I, you know, I could probably just write. I mean, I I was very happy at the Herald. I was very happy at the Eagle Tribune. Very happy at the Little Sun. I, I could, I could probably just write. That is one thing I could probably do, and and just report and write and everything else. But there is an element of you know we have a lot of freedom we have a lot of freedom to do a lot of different things and 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 i come back to that so that's what allows me to write and my my son asked me the other day i mean he said do you like what you do i'm like yeah like think about how fortunate you are when you do like what you do you probably like what you do i mean this is this is this is a very fortunate situation through all the times that you might get you know i might get crapped on the radio or or we say the environment isn't right or or it should be this way or that way or we don't have enough people this and that i also look around to other people in our business and i and, and like who have very good jobs and i go back to it like what are you doing complaining like you're complaining about this are you complaining about that what are you doing what are you talking about <laughs> it's it's like this is this is a good job what i have is a good job and what what all those people have are good jobs and i i like the people who who have the drive right yeah i mean you had the drive and i like i like you alex it's it's like your own it's like your managerial awaken 180 i guess there you and go. boom sauce if you will yes there you go so right now i'm going to go have some uh have my allotted carbs <laughs> and uh alex thanks so much it was it was maybe the longest podcast we ever did but that's what i said back when you were hired i said 10 years from now we're going to do an hour and 15 minute podcast yeah, well, uh, you know, 10 years, uh, you know, that, that's 10 years to, to, of ground to cover. So it's, it's worth it so long as that's, that uh, tuna steak doesn't make you sick at this point after <laughs> sitting out for an hour. All right, Alex, thank you. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nano spray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. 
Enjoy the show from wherever you are with the MLB app. Download for free to gain access to in-game highlights, pitch-by-pitch features, and more. All from your mobile devices. Show support for your favorite team with customizable MLB club-branded icons. And tune in to exclusive premium content for every team in the league. Baseball is everywhere with the MLB app. The number one source of live baseball on your Apple and Android devices is the official app of Major League Baseball. Download the MLB app today. Additional subscriptions may be required.